0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles is going to join us in a few minutes. The Jazz coming off a win in Houston. they got Minnesota at home Saturday and Monday. The W's ought to keep piling up. Question is, will they stay in front of the Suns? Are the Suns going to lose again? Are the Jazz going to rest guys? Or are they going to be all in to stay in front of Phoenix? There are many questions. Lots of advice. Quinn Snyder can get a lot of advice from Jazz fans, and I'm sure he's craving that. Uh, and we got a lot of people. Jeff's one of them saying, uh, in fact, if the Jazz fall to the two spot, I'd rather face the Clippers in the second round than the Lakers. Not having home court to the Suns would be irrelevant. There is a lot along those lines. Uh, this guy says this may not be the popular opinion, but if the Lakers remain in the four or five seed, I say let the Suns have number one. Then the Suns won't make it past the second round just dismissing them out of hand.
1: Well, if the Suns won't make it past the second round, that means you get the Jazz the Lakers in the third round. What what the hell difference does that make?
0: See? Look at you getting all logical. <laughs> so, Rino so, says the Jazz should just focus on the Jazz, whatever's best for them. Well, that's what it comes wow, down to. Of is it best to have the one seed or is it best to rest all your guys? And I think they've got rest built into the schedule. When they finish the regular season on a Sunday, they're not going to play until the following Saturday or Sunday. Probably Sunday, but we don't know that for sure. So there's gonna be a lot of rest built in oh, before the playoffs. So the going question to have a is
1: Sunday home game?
0: Uh, they might in the playoffs. They've done it before. And Very it might rare. be Saturday. Sure, but if you're playing the team that just won the eight nine game, if they if that eight nine playing thing is on Thursday, maybe they'd make the team travel and play on Saturday, but I, I kinda think they're gonna give them until Sunday.
1: Screw them, man.
0: Yeah, they might. I mean, we haven't seen this before, and the NBA hasn't really said what they're going to do, so I don't know.
1: Oh, well, neither do I, but it's very rare that Jazz plays
0: Sunday morning. It is. It, it is. Um, but with fewer fans in the stands, and I've, I mean, I don't know. It's all speculative. Maybe they could get up to a half-full building at that point. It's another month. More people vaccinated and all that stuff.
1: So what you're saying, there's enough apostates that can go to the game on they Sunday.
0: Can, they can find their 10,000 and the people stay home will stay <laughs> home, but playoff games are sold out whenever they're play. you know, Saturday or Sunday and whether it's at noon or it's at 830, playoff games tend to sell out.
1: Well, as long as Dwayne Wade is there, I don't care.
0: Robert says, the panel on uh, NBA and TNT, we're all unsure about the Suns' playoff impact, but the Jazz need to get healthy. Best option is to build 20-plus point leads and then rest starters in the fourth quarter.
1: Ah, yeah, that's a theory.
0: And the uh, Jazz were up by 30 in Houston, and with eight minutes left, Conley checked out, and Gobert checked out, and they were done for the night. Most of the guys played uh, in that 25- to 30-minute range last night. I'd have to check, but.
1: and They're not grueling minutes. No. But but Houston sucks. I mean, that's, you're yep. not gonna, I don't know that you're going to face a team as crappy as Houston. Even
0: Minnesota is better than Houston. Right. Carl Anthony Towns along. Houston does not have a player as good as Carl Anthony Towns, so.
1: And then you get Rubio and these guys, when they go against their former teams, always makes me a little nervous. Right.
0: Rubio's going to go shoot 50% from the field. Hey, where's that 25% from the field thing? Hand that over, Ricky.
1: We've seen that a million times when guys go against their former teams. Mark Jackson was talking about that the other night. I mean, I think it's real. There's too many cases of guys playing above what they normally do. To not think that it, there's not something there. So I, I certainly think they're going to beat Minnesota both games, but the point I'm making is it's not going to be as easy, I wouldn't think, as it was against the Rockets. And it's the, the Rockets have gotten what they were expected to have in the season. That's gone. And then even after they made all these moves, they don't even have that anymore because they got guys coming and going all the time. So they're basically down to their third
0: team. DJPK, the Joe Engel Show is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union, where your future is our future.
2: Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe, and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic. Go. Go. Go.
0: TJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Joey, Joey,
1: Joey, Joey, Joey for three. Yes.
3: I couldn't understand any of that. You sounded like you were <laughs> drunk at a bar.
1: <laughs> at 9.08 in the morning. You think I play for the Houston Rockets? What are you talking about?
0: Boom, there it is. <laughs> Oh, boy. It's been a long morning, fellas. <laughs> Joe, we have so many questions. I'm curious. You seem to be piling up the, te- the technical fouls a little higher right now. You're just cutting loose. You're just, you've been holding all this in all these years. You're just going to let it go. A t during the game, and you dropped the big one during the post-game Zoom session. You're just cutting loose, Joe.
3: I didn't drop anything. That, was, that was, The post-game was a, an honest mistake. That was a...
0: You did know, react that way, yeah. You did react that way. Oops.
3: I've, I've never sworn in my law. <laughs>
0: um, swear you never sworn.
3: I swear, swear I've never sworn. <laughs> um, I actually, I the possession. I, I actually, it sounds very stupid because it costs money. But I was trying to get a technical on the first possession because. Uh, I can't remember who the player was. Whoever it was, drove down and smacked me in the face while while he had the ball. And I was the referee was right there, and I was like, "What are you like? What are you looking at? You can't like you can't smack someone in the face. It's not UFC. We're playing basketball." <laughs> and I so I like yelled at him all the way down the court as loud as I could, and I I didn't swear, but I used some uh, aggressive aggressive tones. Um, and he didn't give me one. And then I, a few, like, a few possessions or whatever it was later, I, all I said to him was, like, not, like nothing. I like, kind of laughed and said, like, something about the call. And I didn't swear, and he teed me up for that. So I was like, I I'd forgotten about it. I, I got over it, but it is what it is.
1: Do you know what you can get away with or can't get away with based on who the referee is?
3: For sure. Um, And not necessarily like who they are or or how they referee, but just, I mean, I don't know how their schedule works, but you you obviously have some referees more than others. And um, I think in general, like in general life, you just kind of get along with some people better than others. And there's some guys I know that, I can joke around with or maybe talk a bit more aggressively or ask a question kind of more to the point where some you have to like kind of beat around the bush to like get to the point you want to get to. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a, a lot of general life. Like you, some guys I, I know well and I, th- and I think a part of them as well, like they have to know you I'm by now. And things, um, and yeah, I mean, it's all part of the game. Renee just won't be able to uh, go shopping this week.
0: <laughs> you're out of money. Okay, good one. <laughs> Dude, you're underpaid, man.
1: 50% from three, renegotiate. <laughs> I know, where's Dennis? Get Dennis on the hobble.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, very. Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing very well. I'm happy. Yeah, I'm not going to complain about that minor loss.
0: So uh, I'm curious as we see you talking, and now you know people are used to hearing you on the radio, and they know we've asked you about you know certain interactions you've had with fans or opposing players or. Uh, coaches or refs or whatever. And so I do get a pretty steady stream now. I've asked Joe about this or that. But the thing we never talked to you about and I'm curious about is when you're yapping at other players, and it seemed like in Houston you were yapping at other players, hitting some threes early in the game. But I'm curious how often you started and how often other people yap at you and you're kind of, and then you hit a three and you yap back at them. Are you starting all of this or are there other guys who are, are talking to you and get the ball rolling?
2: Um.
3: I don't know what the percentage would be, but it'd be close to probably like 50, 50. Um, there's obviously, um, no word of a lie that I don't mind talking and obviously having, having fun with it and and kind of enjoying it. And then, um, yeah, I mean, there's times that stuff comes to me and I'm like, perfect. Exactly what I needed right now. (laughs) Hmm. Um, like the other game a few weeks ago or whenever it was, um, but, yeah, I mean, as last night was a bit different. I mean, having, I really wanted to talk to the bench the whole time because I wanted to yell at, like, Garner and Dante and um, my Australian assistant coach is actually um, on the front of the bench for Houston as well. So there's a few guys over there I knew and um, I wasn't really over on that side of the court too much. But, um, yeah, a little, like a little, probably a little bit, probably 50-50.
1: This three-point shooting obviously is impressive and it's gotten better as you've been in the league now. I'm wondering, going back, because you were a professional for, what, eight, nine, ten years before you came to the NBA, were you known as a three-point shooter or is this something you've de- developed since you've been in this league?
3: Oh, there's that no question. It's taken a, a leap or strides or whatever. Um, I always felt, I've kind of said it before, Like I always felt like I was kind of, like, good at everything, but I wasn't... I was never great at anything. Um, Like, I could shoot a little bit, but I was streaky. I could play pick and roll, but I was, like, turnover-prone a little bit. I could play pick and roll, and I could finish a little bit. Like, my defense would be good, and then it would be bad. Um, And I think part of the... Especially the offensive end in the NBA, like... I mean, I've got my own coach. Like, (laughs) I can call... Ryan Bailey now and say I want to go get shots up if I want and he'll come in and rebound for me in Europe or in the NBL when I was there like we had two maybe three coaches for 12 to 15 players so that personal development or individual development is so much harder to do there because he it, it's just not the the, the amount like numbers of, of coaches to be able to really do it if you want to shoot pre or post game or pre or post practice so you you are usually doing it with a group of guys, so you might have four of you there, and you're all shooting, so you're getting forty shots instead of three hundred. Um, so I think the like the just the consistency of me being able to go in and, and work on my game, and, and and I think it's why you see so many NBA players develop and and become like some people say, it's so surprising, or they're so surprised that player X is so much better this year at. at whatever, finishing with his right hand. Well, like, he probably works on it every day with his coach. Like, it's, it's so much easier to... You know, obviously, if you're committed and, and, and want to get better, it's so much easier to, to do that when you've got someone you can call on at kind of any point, any time you want. Um, I did say to Bailey last night, we didn't land till... We landed at like 1.30 this morning, and I said to Bailey, as we're getting off the plane, like, 6 o'clock shooting tomorrow? And he was like, "Hell no! Nah. So, <laughs> I know, I know he won't come in that early, but he'll come in basically whenever I ask him." So, I think I think that honestly plays a, a massive part in it because you just get to to really kind of hone in on things that. I mean, we've talked about it every off season. I've tried to do like add like one new thing to my package or one new or get better at one thing that I wasn't good at last year that the team scouted for me and. They were floaters, they were the ball fake, they were shooting going right to my right, all all those things. Uh, um, It makes it very easy when the convenience of of coaches and facilities and all that are are so accessible.
0: Joe Ingalls joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So Mike Conley in his post-game Zoom session was asked about Uh, your production going up when either Mike was out of the lineup or Donovan was, and then going down, if both those guys were back, and he kind of giggled and said, Joe and I were just talking about that, and you're giggling now just like he was.
3: (laughs) Yeah, we are. Mike and I have a bit of a, I don't even know what you call it, but we would joke about the fact that, (laughs) like, if he was out, I would play well or if I was out he would play really well but we couldn't like we were never great or hadn't been like like we would play better obviously like when one of the guy when each other was out but then when we were both in we just couldn't make it I wouldn't say we were playing we were playing bad or anything like that but not to the level that we were in. and it's I mean some of it's very obvious like Mike's our starting point guard and has the ball more and when he's out I have the ball like there's some very obvious things, but we've actually made a and, and it's not as effective as we can when we're both out there and uh, I think we both realise at different times of the games that we can both handle and off the ball, you can get me off the ball, we can obviously both space the floor for each other and um, the last few games we've we were we were laughing about it because we were kind of saying like oh fi-, like finally we were both out there and we were both able to be um, both able to play well and obviously we won and um, I mean the obvious, obvious factors we've got to throw Donovan back into so <laughs> um, but no it's just a, it, it was a bit of fun um, It obviously shows with our record that neither of us have to be superstars at the same time what one of us can not play as well as the other we've got so many weapons so yeah just a bit of a, a running joke between uh, myself and mike
1: so last time we talked to you joe the jazz has some big news with bringing Dwayne wade aboard on that there's uh, multiple uh, minority owners including one from your own country what do you think this means to the jazz to bring somebody like a Dwayne wade in as at least a somewhat of a part ownership
3: I mean, it's it's massive, I think. I think um, for him, I think he said it to the media or someone had asked him about it or whatever it was. But, I mean, if he wanted to go and buy into basically any team, I think basically any team would have taken him. There's no question that um, if, a, if a guy of, of of that stature and what he's done in his career and the, the presence that he brings... Um, it was funny, Elijah Hughes, our young guy, was like, I can't believe like, he was one of my favourite players growing up and now he's, like, quote unquote, really, like, paying his bills to a certain extent. He's paying his salary for a part or part of his salary, however, whatever much uh, he, he bought in for, which is, it's pretty crazy because, I mean, I, even, to like, when I first got in the league, I was playing against him. Like, we, we got to play against this guy and however long later you want to say a couple years later he's I think he retired two years ago now Mm -hmm.
4: this is his
3: second year Um, he's part owner of an an NBA team who just got sold for a very uh, big number so um, I I think it's awesome for our organisation I think it's awesome for for Salt Lake City and Utah itself Um, the the off court stuff with the the social justice and everything that Ryan Smith is talked about wanting to do and, and all that Dwayne Wade uh, a massive advocate for all of those things as well so I think that brings a, a another um, another voice and, and all that from a, a very high level but I, um, I mean I, if you think about it I don't think there's like you can't even you couldn't even mention it a negative about it so um, yeah it was really cool to, to kind of see him and hang out with him for the, the couple of days he was here and um Obviously, we'll be be seeing him a lot more. I think he's based in LA now, um, so we'll he's right around the corner, and uh, we'll, we'll be seeing him a lot more. So it's exciting for, for, for all of us.
0: So does he come to practice? Does he hang out in the locker room on game nights? I mean, it's a very small sample size, and I get that. But how how much were you interacting with him in the in the last week?
3: Yeah, well, I think we we saw him. Um, or Ryan announced it to us the day, a few days, whatever, a few days before that. that it was happening um, just so that we didn't have to read about it from uh, your Twitter account with 35 followers um, then uh, he obviously came to that whichever game it was the Indiana game I think it was um, yeah. so he was obviously around the locker room a little bit um, was in the, the post game meeting um, so he was around guys were able to talk to him he was he was very accessible to, to questions and, and all that I I do have some some questions for him at some point when we get a minute, it. so it'll be, um, yeah. I mean, I feel like r- regardless of who you are, where you are, I think he'll be ac- as as accessible as he can in in terms of questions and media and, and doing all that. He, he's done it his, his basically his whole life, so I don't think that'll change. So, it's a, like I said, it's a it's a really cool um, thing for us all to to have and to be able to. Years in terms of, of what he's been through, he's I mean, he's a, he's a champion. He's he's won at the highest level, so it's um yeah, it's a, it's exciting times.
1: And a lot of it was uh, from the jazz fan perspective, and that's who we talk to every day. It's like, oh, here's an African-American who's going to help us bring in African-Americans because Salt Lake is viewed as a place where they're not comfortable and they not would not want to be interested in. And I've always thought about, yeah, I've always questioned that because we've been here, we've been doing the show for almost 20 years, and we've a lot of former players have come back and they're African-Americans and say they loved it here. Carlos Boozer, who didn't leave on the best terms, said, says that he liked it here and it was a good place so i always felt like that was overblown now that you've been here for a good long while and been a real important part of the community and you're obviously you're a caucasian guy but what's your perspective as far as what you see as far as do they need somebody like Dwayne wade to help them get black players in or is this place already so a place where they would want to be
3: um, I mean, I was, it's funny because I, and I've said this before to you guys, I think like I, i never even knew where Salt Lake was. Like when I was on the plane going to the Clippers, um, or from the Clippers to LA to, to Salt Lake, oh, I had to look up like how long my flight was, where I was flying. I, I just didn't, growing up in Australia, it wasn't a destination that I thought I would ever. It's like the LA is New York, Chicago, the, the biggest cities and, um, since obviously since being here, I think, uh, and uh, I mean, I think it's fairly well, like originally when I got seven years ago when I got here, it, it was it was viewed difficult or hard or whatever the reasoning was to get an African American player or a, a black athlete, whoever or whatever you um, whatever you want to say, but like it was it was more it was more difficult. It, I think people, I don't know. Especially early on, like, I don't know where that view came from. I don't know how it started. You know, maybe it started back in the day. Like Who knows? Um, that's probably a, a longer story to have. But I think as our teams got better and players have come, we've been, we've been able a crew, we, we obviously drafted some and drafted Donovan and, and guys like that. But Mike Conley didn't necessarily chew We traded for him, but he, he could have easily said he didn't want to come.
0: Well, sounds like we just lost Joe right there, but I get where we were going with that. I'll try to reconnect him there let him finish that thought. We were just about out of time with Joe anyway
1: and if, if Dwayne Wade can help break down, even if it's just a little bit of a barrier, yeah, I think awesome.
0: and I, see, I think that's where I think that's where it is theres, and we've been over this on free agency. you know everybody's situation is individual to say you know. Guys, Group acts, you know African American players who grew up in the U.S. and money matters, playing times matter, prior relationships with teammates or coaches matter. So you got to factor all that in. Joe, we lost you right there. You were just saying Mike Conley easily could not have come, and then it just dropped.
3: Yeah, I don't know what happened. I think uh, you guys need to upgrade your phone service over there. <laughs> um, but no, I, and I don't. I just don't think. I think you're kind of saying it then, maybe towards the end of that, but. It just wasn't a destination, I don't think, for, for the... I I was having a conversation with someone one time here, and they'd said that they... I can't remember who the player was, but it was an African-American player, and he went to clinics and, whatever, like Junior Jazz or whatever it was, out, out in, out in like, a little while. And it was kids and, and adults were saying that they were... This guy was the first black person they'd seen in person. They'd watched a game before or, or TV or whatever, but it was the first... And he was, like, kind of caught back by it just because, like, obviously it's – I think at some point for all of us, we've all <laughs> interacted in some way. So I think there was probably some – I don't even know if they're stereotypes or not, but some things about Salt Lake that, that people didn't want to come. And we've always said – like, we've said as as our family, Renee and I, and, and guys now talk about in our team, like, once you get to Salt Lake, it's I think it's very different to what you, people sometimes perceive from from either not coming here or or just visiting. Um, living here seven years now, like it's it's a it's a pretty cool place. It's a special place. But um, yeah, I mean, if if Dwayne Wade sitting on the phone to to player whoever and and that helps us get someone, <laughs> I'll take it any day of the week. But yeah. um, I think with with what Ryan's doing and building, I don't think, um, regardless of of skin color, race, anything like that, a religion, whatever it is, I think uh, I think Salt Lake's a, a place that, that guys would want to come to.
0: Joe, as always, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again after your next technical foul.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll make sure. I'm not getting another one. Renee wasn't too happy with
3: me this morning. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: All right. Say say hi to Renee and the kids for us. I, I shall. All right. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, guys. All right. There's Joe Ingles. He joins us every week here. Renee, tell him to dial it back on the technical fouls. I know. Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. But it's, it's true what he says about, you know, it's the league's so international, and depending on where you grow up, you know, well, why would you think about Salt Lake City? I mean, certainly for the international players, but even for the us players if you grow up on the East Coast, think how many towns back east that people in the West don't necessarily think about or go to or have any idea, you know, pick a random city, you know have you sure, ever, have you ever I been understand
1: to, all that? But when it's presented with the opportunity, uh, uh, and if Dwayne Wade can help you yep. realize that this is a great opportunity, that's all we're asking for is just have a shot, and then the player decides because if you have a shot, you're you're gonna get some of them, and they're gonna be happy here like so many of them have.
0: All right, coming up, Craig Bowler Jack is gonna join us and we'll talk uh talk jazz with Bowler. He had the pleasure of uh calling that blowout, and he, he might have a couple more in front of him. We'll have to see how that plays out. We'll talk with Bowler coming up next. Stay with us.
4: <laughs> number one. Make us your number one.
2: Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ P.K. and Craig Bowler, Jack TV voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us. Bowler, good morning. Hello,
4: hello, how are you? Doing well, how are you? Well, good. I'm glad Joe warmed up the stage for me. <laughs> He's, your warm <laughs> He's your warm-up <laughs> act. He's your warm-up act. I got him last week to warm up, and now he uh, he warmed up the act. That, it's that's, it's uh, team play. That's the important yeah, thing. Yeah, team, team play.
0: So, Buller, these games are obviously not just Houston, but the ones going forward, looking a little lopsided. What are you looking for in here, if anything? Clearly the Suns, a week from tomorrow, is going to be a big game. Everybody's looking forward to that, I would think. But between now and then, storylines are a little thin.
4: Yeah, you know, you got Minnesota uh, home and away, and then uh, Sacramento, and then I'm looking at the calendar, and then it's a Phoenix Suns team that runs and runs, and the speed of the backcourt of Chris Paul and Devin Booker has been an issue, and I think backcourts have been an issue for the Jazz that have speed. Um, you know, even the Blazers, even though the Jazz have had some luck there. But yet speed is something the Jazz struggle with getting back defensively or in transition off missed threes. So that's what I'm looking for. Uh, look, the the Jazz are playing without Donovan. So as Joe has said, even in this postgame last night when I was driving home, was, look, nothing changes. We still run the same type of offense and we just, you know, plug in people that that. uh Obviously, are going to get the job done. Joe's played really well. I mean, and Mike uh, has, has 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 been phenomenal uh, running the show with Joe in the backcourt. So, look, it's it is what it is, and the Jazz will have to figure out how to slow the tempo. Pick up points is always something Quinn Snyder speaks of. So, and you have to you have to grab a few offensive rebounds. The ball has to drop in a spot where maybe you, you got a little luck, and you're there. So all those things come into play. But I think from now until then, it's just, you know, steady as she goes. Uh, try to continue to have space uh, between, uh, you know, the Suns and the Jazz. It's a game and a half. They won a big one in Philly last night. Uh, so uh, they've got a tough schedule, mind you. Uh, they've got a lot of road games ahead. I believe it was 11 uh, so or now 10. So, you know, down this stretch run, they're they're going to have to you know play good basketball themselves, and maybe they look in they're, they're looking over their shoulder at the Jazz and seeing how they're doing as well. But uh, you're right; next next week uh, could decide the number one seeding in the West, and basically number one seeding in the NBA. Um, who has home court all the way to the finals if by chance one of those two teams get there?
1: So, how much do you think they're paying attention to what the Suns are doing?
4: Well, I think they have to, PK. But look, they'll tell you they're not. That it's one, you know, it, it's it's the typical approach of one game at a time, as Quinn has said, getting better as the season goes on. But look, uh, you've got 13 games to play. You know who you are, and you know you know you can shoot the three. Uh, you know that you have a, a lot of weapons. You, I think you're finding out too that you even have, you know, some good depth when needed, right? Um, some of these guys are jumping off the bench. Ilya Sova uh, had, a, had a nice game in, in L.A. against the Lakers. Kind of like tells you what we thought he could. You know he could bring uh, if you give him 20 minutes or so. Uh, Jarrell Brantley, Uh I still think Matt Thomas obviously hasn't found a shot with the Jazz. Feels like maybe he's rushing the shot a little bit when I watch him. But I think with Donovan out, it also proves PK that. You know, here is a two-time All-Star um, who is a top-shelf player in this league. But you can continue to win with depth and guys like Joe and Mike getting the job done. Rudy's defense uh, and Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench. So I, I mean, I still feel like the Jazz are as competitive as they as as they have been all year long. But yeah, it'll be nice. It'll be nice to put Donovan back in uh, the lineup when when the time's right for that ankle.
0: No matter what they say, actions speak louder than words. And you guys got a hilarious photo submitted. You know, where are you watching? And so Donovan sends in a photo, and he's got these four screens set up, and he is just binging on the NBA, right? He had the, the Jazz game up, of course, and he had the Warriors and Washington up, which... You know, there's a lot of good players in that matchup, and uh, the Warriors are potential first round opponents, so I get why he's watching that. And he's got the Knicks in Atlanta. Well, Atlanta's really hot in the East, and the Knicks are his hometown team, and they're on a winning streak, so I get that. And sure enough, in the bottom right corner, he's got the Suns playing the Sixers.
4: Absolutely. You know, that's that's film work, too, right?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's professional curiosity. It's uh, fandom. I mean, very much in his tweets you can see his his fandom when he's watching, you know, different games and different players. So it's it's all those things rolled into one, but they're very aware of what the Suns are doing. He's got that game up in the fourth quarter. He's watching it.
4: Sure, sure. You know what I I really enjoyed the fact that he jumped on and had some fun. It tells you the personality of Donovan Mitchell and, you know, to talk to him and then he responds with another uh, you know, stop it, Joe. I mean, was, Ingles was so hot last night from three yet again, six of ten, and you know, Gobert. I mean, it, it's it tells you the leadership and how he is a loose guy with you know and a cheerleader for this team, right? He's not playing. I think a lot of times, you know, PK DJ, if you're injured, the biggest issue you face is the disconnect because you're not a part of it and. I think Donovan's doing his best to stay a part of it while he, while he rehabs. So I thought it was good for him, probably good, good medicine in a way to be involved and to in shoot down a tweet like that. And for us to pick it up, I mean the fans love it, and that's who Donovan is. I think we got a, even a bigger taste of, of it last night by just a simple tweet and that photo uh, of showing what he, how he spends his time, tells you not only fandom as you said, DJ, but also doing the work observing, uh, and, you know, he sent out a tweet later about Trey Young having having a lower leg injury, and so, yeah, he's well aware of what's going on, and he's studying his opponent, for sure.
1: So, with Mitchell aboard for the next few years contractually, and I would assume beyond that, and he's a young, dynamic guy, all sorts of charisma, you got Dwayne Wade aboard now to at least a to degree, uh, to what degree, I'm not sure, but at least he's around, his name is attached to the franchise. Ryan Smith is a younger owner. I think this is the youngest ownership group in the NBA. Can we put to bed all this nonsense? The players don't want to be here.
4: I think it's another huge step, PK, in that, in that process. And I think Ryan's smart enough to realize that you know, he wants to make changes, and Dwayne Wade uh, obviously wants to come aboard. I, I wasn't aware of their friendship. And, I mean Ryan obviously becomes a billionaire by connecting a lot with a lot of different people, and Dwayne Wade obviously one of them. And I think Ryan felt like it was a, an incredible idea to try to, if, don't, maybe Dwayne reached out, but the conversation seems like, look, why don't you come aboard and let's make change together? And I think that's exactly what what uh, the two have done. It's it's obviously in its in its infancy, but. I don't think you can look away from the impact that Dwayne Wade will have, not only with this franchise, but in the ability to reach out beyond the Jazz to bring players or entice them to look. And I think that's a good thing all the way around. So does that impact Donovan's decisions down the road? I would say absolutely. Rudy, absolutely. And others, uh, yes. And so maybe this is that step that a lot of people have been waiting for. Some turned their nose to it. I get it. But also, this is a time of change, and you have to educate yourself on the reasons why and move forward. And I think Ryan is in that position as an owner in this league uh, to, to bring in a minority uh, ownership uh, with Dwayne Wade that the league is trying to um, open the doors to. And Ryan stepped through it, and so did Dwayne Wade. Um, It's an interesting time, right? And I think it's a good move, and I think it only helps solidify the jazz in the NBA recruiting and also retaining players that are under contract. And that's part of the reason why I think uh, this younger ownership group has a little bit more insight now of where they want to go to the next level, right? The Miller group brought them there multiple times to to the front porch and with Carl and John, it was a, another time, obviously, in the NBA, and times do change. I think Gail maybe realized that. And that's why Ryan might be, uh, well, you know, he's the owner, and it's, it's the right time, maybe for change. And that's where the Jazz are going right now.
0: So we have been debating, discussing, analyzing the race for number one. And there are many questions, and we don't have a lot of time with you. So I'm going to throw out several, and you can attack whichever ones you want. Okay. How badly do the Jazz want one? Would they be willing to hand the Suns one? Because, well, that probably means the Lakers are Nuggets in the second round. So good luck with that. Would they yep. prefer the Lakers or the Clippers? Or do they not care? They know the tests are going to be massive regardless of who they play. And when Quinn says they need to be playing their best basketball, he knows they need to be playing their best basketball because anything less than that will get them beat by somebody at some point and possibly sooner rather than later.
4: The, uh, DJ, those are all incredible uh, bullet points of interest to me because you could drop to two and maybe help yourself. But in, in the Jazz way of doing things, unless now they totally take a different track, right, because the, the, the way it was, and we were just talking about the way it was and what it is now, we're going to find out. Do you rest players? Do you see analytically what the Jazz have brought in multiple individuals to help with analytics about rest Obviously, they're studying the the, the, the Phoenix Suns' schedule compared to what they're doing. And so, you know, look, LeBron's coming back. AD is going to give it a shot and see how he stands with the calf and the Achilles. And look, the Clippers have Kawhi and uh, and Paul George. It's not easy in the West, no matter how you cut it. But it is about getting out of the first round. It is about getting into the second. And it is about getting a shot excuse me, at, at the Western Conference. So to answer your question, I'm going to wait and see, too. I think there's a lot of different ways they're approaching it. But, again, it's about one game at a time, and I know people get tired of hearing that. But you know what? Do the, do the Suns have issues themselves down the road? I mean, I, I don't think the Jazz really want to help them. But I'd say it, DJ, it is an interesting thought. If you're looking at your first-round, second-round opponent, Uh, how does it play into your hands better? And look, a lot of teams have jockeyed themselves at times, and why not the Jazz? But I will say the one positive is the number one seed in the NBA gives you home court throughout. And we know the power of this Jazz fan base and what's happening this year on the floor at Vivid Arena. They've lost just three games. Those are Carl and John days, by the way, at Old Delta Center. And this fan base will start to trickle in more and more as time goes on, and maybe into the playoffs, it obviously may jump even more, a few more thousand fans. I think it plays into the Jazz hands perfectly. But uh, the analytics of it are still in the hands of the Jazz, and it'll be interesting to see what direction they go.
1: So what do they got now, 5,000? Is that what they're allowed in, roughly? I think it's
4: 5,600, PK, 560? and I wouldn't be surprised. You know, again, I know nothing. I think there's hopes, and probably being guided by you know, health officials in the state of Utah and most most importantly, what the NBA is also, uh, you know, their their input as well. And what this, the state of Utah's COVID issues and the, the height of infection, obviously, as we decide who decides to get uh, vaccinated plays an impact a uh, part of this, too. And so, again, I think it's it's moving parts, PK. I really do. I'm not sure where they want to go. I mean, I'm sure they love to have, you know, 10 12,000 in for the playoffs, if not a packed house. But I think we still may be, you know, a, a jump or two away from that. But I think the progress is being made. But I tell you, man, just having the 5,600 or 6,000 in the stands, you can feel the difference from what it was at the beginning of the season. And, um you know, our fan base, the Jazz fan base, has always been intense and vocal, and I think it does play into the Jazz hands if they do grab the one seat. You know, I'm not sure, again, you know, how you break it down, if it's best to be two. There's something about being one because you've been there all season long, and then is there a doubt that goes through your mind uh, if you drop to two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all those things come into play, I really believe. Uh, but, man, what a season it's been. And you're battling through Donovan now out. You know, the Lakers have done the same thing with two of their their top key players. The Jazz have been one of the healthiest teams in the league this year. And, uh, you know, there's less than a month, what, three and a half weeks left in the season. So, as I like to say, buckle up. Because I think this is going to be an incredible run uh, and obviously a disappointment if the Jazz don't get into round two and beyond. But, look, I think, I think this team, as we saw D.J., and PK, they've been focused from the bubble, and I think we've seen most of that this year. There's been a slip or two, but look, that happens in the course of a truncated 72-game schedule. They're playing fast and furious, and this season is going to come to an end pretty quick, into the playoffs. The 16th isn't far away, May 16th, and then the 22nd is when the playoffs begin. So, wow. it's And then all of a sudden when you get into June, you're going to have another season start in October. I mean, it's it's coming at you with the Olympics in between. Uh, it's a lot of basketball,
0: Bowler. We appreciate it as always, and you and Joe get together and decide who wants to be the warm-up act next week.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think we'll trade it uh, off and on. Uh, PK, though, I think you could warm us up a little bit too. Uh, oh, a easily. A little yeah. rush or whatever, you know, rush. Tom Petty. Whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, bring the guitar. So, yeah, we'll I'll let Joe decide. You know, be even. I don't want to get, you know, Joe's Joe and I can't get a technical foul. So that's, you know, I'll let him do that.
0: <laughs> uh, I think broadcasters have gotten. I think there's some ejected. <laughs> I think they've yeah, kicked up off out
4: the floor now, so I he'd have to hear me right, really yeah. good. I'd have to get a megaphone yeah. out there and yell at it, but
0: that, uh, that protects you from yourself there and all your worst does. inclinations. Absolutely. Yeah, hey.
4: I'll let Joe I'll let Joe pay that fine. Thank you, bowler. All right guys, see you soon.
0: Your feedback coming up next. Stay with us.
4: And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere.
0: Time for your feedback right now. What do you have to say about everything in this show? Gwen says, are there archived episodes of Joe Ingalls so I can listen later? It's yes, there Gwen. Go to 1280thezone.com, search Ingalls, and a lot of content will come up. It's right there for you. Amazing. Russ says, as a wise analyst said, you rest your players by taking care of business on weaker teams. With Donovan's injury, we can do that as well. But our other starters shouldn't be seeing more than the 25-28 minutes per game next two games against those pesky Timberwolves. Okay. Clarkson played 28, Joe played 29. Those were the big numbers in Houston. Most guys played 25 or 26.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: We've got, uh, we've got uh, should, the Suns, should the Jazz rest players or abandon it because the Suns are winning? Justin says, no, they shouldn't rest, but they should start Ingles over Royce. To which Larry says, no, Royce is the perfect four for the Jazz starting lineup. He matches up against the best offensive players, a good rebounder, and he doesn't take shots away from the other starters. Joe, coming off the bench, provides great shooting and ball handling while the starters rest.
1: They're in first place with the best record, so I probably wouldn't mess with it right now.
0: That kind of logical thinking will take you places, PK.
1: <laughs> I'm already there. i
0: uh, have got a lot of people weighing in on whether the Jazz want to play the Lakers or the Clippers in the second round. We can probably delve into that in a future show, PK.
1: Well, I say the Jazz are so good, we play a combination, the best of the Lakers and the Clippers.
0: <laughs> nice. An L.A. All-Star team. Yeah. All right, Denver's feeling disrespected right about now, but that's for another show.
1: When you lose Jamal Murray, what else do you expect, though?
0: I do believe PK had the Nuggets record without Jamal Murray earlier in the show.
1: 4-0.
0: 4-0. Hands and Scotty are coming up next. They will continue this discussion. We'll see you tomorrow from 6-10 on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.